It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Have you heard it's Fire Away Friday? (laughs) After that introduction, I think you know what it is. What does that mean? It means we take your questions, your Bible questions, the whole program, not just in the last segment, but all three segments. And we're looking forward to hearing from you. And that number that you can call is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. So the lines are open. Uh, you can call with your Bible question. We look forward to it. Alex, uh, we love Fire Away Fridays, don't we? Well, we do love Fire Away Fridays, and we love to hear from people. And I just want to say how much I've enjoyed getting some emails this week and just hearing from all kinds of people. And uh, the people that call in, and again, you mentioned the number, but it's 888-589-8840. Hey, um, I'll be very brief, but I want to say a big shout-out for all the people at Tennessee Valley Community Church in Paris, Tennessee, Carlton Gerald, Steve Gallimore, they're probably listening right now, but all those people helping us get ready for Truth for a New Generation, which is coming up April 21 through 23, and you'll be there, Bert, and uh, Abe Hamilton, and I'll be there, and the Addisons, and a whole lot of people. We're just going to get very equipped and revived we're going to pray for America, and we're going to learn how to defend the truth. And uh, by Do the way, you really believe truth matters. I believe truth <laughs> matters. In fact, that's our theme. Yeah, yeah. Con- amen. Confronting the issues that will shape our future. And by the way, let me just say, um, if you go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, you can sign up for the conference. But uh, it's for all ages, and we're going to be talking to young people about how to not only defend the Christian faith but really stand up for America and truth and morals and things that matter. And so, folks, it's for all ages. We're going to be talking about creation versus evolution and, uh, yes, moral issues and how to respond to just the, the transgender message and socialism. So Truth for a New Generation, it's our 49th conference like this in 20 years will be in Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. Sign up. You'll get to hear and meet Bert and Abe Hamilton and the Addisons and Angie and I will be there. And it's going to be a good weekend. And so please keep it in prayer, folks. Yeah, you can come and find out how Alex and myself uh, outmarried ourselves, meeting Angie and Jan, and you will be blessed by doing that. Amen. But we're looking forward to it because it's not my truth, your truth. It is truth. And truth Amen. is right in every generation to all people at all times. And so that's what we'll be looking at. Well, Alex, we've got people, man, the lines filled out today quickly. So we've got a lot of people wanting to ask some Bible questions. Are you ready to go to the phone lines? Well, how about we start down in Texas? Man, I love Texas for a lot of reasons. And te- Steve, you're in Texas, right? Yeah, is that me? Yes. Yeah, that's you, Steve. Welcome. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, because there was seven in the queue. I wasn't sure I'd be at the end. Anyways, for real quick uh, comment, I might have commented this to you a few months back. It's, it's kind of apologetic witness to me that I've used... 45 years of my life as I've been a Christian, and that is the name of the Father is commonly translated in English, uh, I am what I am, or I am that I am. To me, that explains in a simple way what genetics is, what chromosomes are, uh, 3,000 years old. So even though it's 3,000 years old, it sounds pretty modern to me. So I don't. I think <laughs> God the Father who made us, pretty intelligent because he seemed to be witnessing about the genes 3,000 years ago. <laughs> Amen. So what- Amen, Steve. Alex, I would say so because he made the genes, you know? Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Well, you know what? Let, let me just say this. Um, theologically, biologically, and and really philosophically, there is what's called the law of identity. Aristotle said this, A is A. 
In other words, something is what it is. And, you know, that makes sense. I mean, something is what it is. Now, in Genesis, um, there's the law of biogenesis, that things reproduce after their kind. You know, uh, humans give birth to human beings. Uh, Flowers pollinate and create other flowers of like kind. Cows, horses, you know, canine, equine. But then as it relates to God, where in Exodus 3.14, he said, I am that I am. Bert, let me just say this. We're living in a world of gender fluidity and language fluidity. But you know what? Reality is not fluid. Reality, and, and I think it's wise that we try to live in light of reality. <laughs> right. Thing, things are what they are. We can't change God's created reality, can we? We cannot. It is set. It is there. He set the pattern, uh, the four seasons. He set that. He set the revolution uh, of the, the earth around the, around the sun. Those are reality. Uh, Newton found out gravity was real. Uh, Amen. And they can Amen. say, well, I don't believe in it. Well, go, uh, you know, the person that would say, I deny that, and they try to defy it by jumping from a tree or whatever, they'll find out with a broken bone. And so uh, mm. reality is male and female, he made them. And again, that's not harsh. That's not anger. That is truth. And we say it with every fiber of our being Right now, Alex, let me just say this. We'll go to the next caller. We're having some some repercussions of this gender, gender identity with the hormones that were given a few years ago, surgeries that were done a few years ago. And now after these 12 and 13, 14-year-old uh, young people have grown up and got their brain more in line for his age, they're saying what a mistake has been made. And so it is not cruel for us to say uh, somebody that is is uh, their maybe gender uh, identification they they haven't got it down. It's not good for us to give them false hope in saying what they are is not physical. It is physical. And so, Alex, thank you for that. Great. Where do we go to next? Well, we're going to go to Kansas. We're going to talk to Mary in Kansas. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Where in the Bible do you find that they talk about Thomas being a twin? I never knew he was a twin until about three weeks ago when I was listening to a Dr. David Jeremiah. Yeah. I don't remember where he said it was found. Go ahead, Alex. Well, in John 11 and John 20, John eleven sixteen, John twenty twenty four, it it there's this phrase, Thomas called Didymus, D-I-D-Y-M-U-S. And the thing about it is, in Greek, the word Didymus can mean twin or the twin, but it doesn't tell us who this twin was. So, you know, Thomas in the Gospels uh, may have been a twin, but it doesn't tell who that twin was. And to Bert, to my, to my knowledge, doesn't name him, but it just in the Greek it can mean the twin. It really does. I've, I've heard this, and this is complete speculation, Mary. Uh, James and John were brothers. Peter and Andrew were brothers. Yes. Thomas means twin. The possibility of one of the other apostles being the twin brother of Thomas and us not necessarily have that person identified could be a reality. It's, that's just a possibility. Uh, but his name does mean twin. I, I, so I believe it, it could have been a twin sister, you know? Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I haven't you, thought of yeah. that. Have you ever? Uh, I had twins in my family, my brother and sister older than me, and they were uh, not identical, of course, male and female. And so anyway, I hope that helps, Mary. Well, that's a really good question, a good question. And, you know, Bert, to my knowledge, that is not a question we had had before. That's the first time I've heard it, and uh, that's neat that Mary is, is listening and finding that out. And, uh, man, that's what you do when you get into the Word of God. Listen, Amen. Alex and I have been studying the Word of God a long time, but I am still amazed at some things. And I said, I had not seen that before. And uh, well, that's the Holy Spirit of God bringing it out to our light. So, Thank you, Mary. Uh, Mike in Texas. Mike, you are on Exploring the Word. How y'all doing, boys? 
Good, hey, listen, good. Uh, got a question. Good. I got a question for you guys about the book of Enoch or Enoch. Um, I know that Jesus quoted from the book of Enoch twice in the Bible, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, the question is, why isn't the book of Enoch in the Bible, or do you believe it ever was and was taken out? Okay. I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for calling. Let me share with you. Uh, if you believe in the—I'm going to make a broad statement, and Alex, you narrow it down, okay? Uh, if you believe in the inspiration, authority, uh, trustworthiness of the Word of God as it was given— God was involved in it. God breathed. That's what it means. I also have the confidence that God could, I want to use the word orchestrate, divide, uh, guide in the gathering, Alex. That's my confidence. Mm -hmm. And I know you can give the qualifications and they're great. But my confidence is in God that he took care of that. And man trying to hide or add to, um, I, I don't think would overcome what God wanted. Go ahead. Um, yeah, let me say, I'm going to throw a word out here about the book of Enoch. There is There, there are works of ancient literature that are called pseudepigraphal. Now, now, pseudonym, like a name, pseudepigraphal means it's got a name attached to it, but they don't know if that's really the one who wrote it. And in the case of the book of Enoch, I mean, they're, they're virtually positive that it's not the Enoch of the book of Genesis that wrote it. Enoch was one of the people that was translated, uh, taken up to heaven, didn't really die. That's in Genesis 5.24. And then by the New Testament times, you've got three writings, really, that are attributed to a person named Enoch. Now, Jude, uh, the, the single chapter New Testament book, Jude, references the book of Enoch, or at least... It says, Enoch, seventh from Adam, prophesied about angels. Now, without getting too deep in the weeds, um, let me say what is called the book of Enoch was never really viewed as canonical or part of the New Testament, although there were some early Christians that read from it. And um, the caller mentioned that Jesus quotes from the book of Enoch. Bert, I was not aware of that. I, I, that caught me off guard as not knowing that. I knew it was in Jude, but that's the only place that I've heard of it as well. So, and I, well, and I, with all due respect, I've got to say I'm not sure that's really the case yeah. that Jesus quotes. So we've got a break. We're going to come back with more Exploring the Word Fireway Friday, your questions for the whole hour, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Call us, This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Jean Shaheen of New Hampshire. She is the state's senior senator, as well as the former governor. Philippians 4.8 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Senator Jean Shaheen as she represents the people of New Hampshire. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. There's a characteristic of believers in the Bible that Dr. Tony Evans says isn't as common today as it should be. He'll tell us what it is and what we can do about it as we spend two minutes with Tony. Wherever a man follows God in all of the Bible, you can bank that you'll always find one thing, and that is passion. Paul says that I might know him. David said, as the deer pants after the water brook, Psalm 42, 1, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Moses said, show me your glory. You know why many more of us are not following him? We don't want it bad enough yet. It boils down to that. We don't want it bad enough yet. Because anything you want real, 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 real bad, you try to make a way out of no way, don't you? 
When you want something bad enough, you don't find a way, you make a way. When a man wants to get a woman's attention bad enough, he'll make a way. Come up with words he didn't even know was in the dictionary because he wants a relationship. If you want it bad enough, wherever you see men in the Bible who follow Christ, they want it, they're hungry. Our problem is we're not hungry. You say, well, what do I do if I'm not hungry? You got to hang around good cooks. If you're not hungry, you got to hang around people who will make you hungry. You got to hang around environments that are cooking up good Jesus so that you want to be hungry. Learn how to stimulate your spiritual appetite and discover the benefits of a life committed to Jesus. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Ephesians 1.11. American Family Radio. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the It's all about the cross. You know, I'm so glad that in a few weeks we'll be celebrating Easter because really, you know, Bert, Easter and the fact that uh, Christ paid our sin debt on the cross rose from the dead, and whosoever puts their faith in Jesus can be saved. That really is the message above all messages, the truly, truly good news, isn't it? It is. You can get a lot of other things wrong, but don't get that wrong. Get that right. It is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and absolutely no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. There's not an alternate. There's not another plan. There's not another person. It is Christ and Christ alone. And so trust him with all your heart. If you need help, there's a number you can call. It's 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. Those people sit there waiting for people to call so they can talk to them about knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. They're our partners in ministry. 888-NEED-HIM. If you need someone to talk with and pray with about whether or not you're saved and how you can be. Well, Alex, Amen. guess where the first caller's from? I don't know. North Carolina. I know somebody well, from North Carolina. Wonderful. <laughs> we we love all the states, but my home state of North Carolina is pretty special. Amen. Uh, welcome, we Billy. Yeah, welcome, Billy. Yeah, welcome, Billy, a first-time caller. Yes, sir. Well, thank how you, you for doing? doing good. Thank you for calling today. What part of North Carolina are you from, Billy? Uh, Wilmington. Okay. Okay, yeah. Down on the coast. Yeah. Well, go ahead with your question, Billy. I was I was just wondering, I know that we're in the latter days and I just think get your opinion. Do you think that strong delusions out there because the Lord says only ones who obey me and obey my commandments will enter to God's kingdom. But that's never emphasized on and you don't follow his commandments. They think they take it for law, and there's so many people deceived. I think they're under a strong delusion. They think they don't have to do what the Lord says. No, I'm saved by blood. I'm like, yeah, but you're only saved if you follow his commands. Okay, Billy, thank you for calling. Alex, uh, when we say we follow his commands, that's not sinless perfection. Paul, even in his mature days, said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Those things I want to do, I find myself not doing. Those things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. So, Alex, it is a struggle. It's not automatic that we just fall in line. Uh, we, The Bible says we are to be fellow strugglers on the way. And uh, But, but I, I would say that Billy does have, there is some strong delusion out there today. Well, you know, the word strong delusion is in 2 Thessalonians 10, and that's why, folks, we we really believe it's imperative to open your heart to Christ, and I'm going to say this, believe in Jesus, but submit to the Word of God. You don't hear the word submission a lot, uh, but we need to subordinate ourselves and submit to the Word of God, 
Because, listen, when we reject known truth, then our heart becomes harder. And the the truth that got your attention today, but you maybe you ignore it, well, it might not get your attention so good tomorrow. And it says that in the last days, because people loved wickedness, they would fall and be vulnerable to a strong delusion. Bert, the idea that a man could become a woman, that is delusional. That's true. The idea that people, uh, you know, men become pregnant, that's delusional. That's insanity, right? So look, folks, if ever, if ever there were a time that you need to urgently come to truth, reality, the good news of Jesus, the Word of God, this is the time to inoculate yourself against delusion. And the medicine that'll get you spiritually healthy is the Word of God. Word of God. Amen. And it will not return void. It will go forth and it will accomplish what God has it in store for. And he wants you to follow him. It's not in anger that God says, obey me. It is in love that he says, follow me. He told those apostles, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's saying, I will make you what God intended you to be. And that's what you want to do. Be everything God wants you to be in creation and redemption. God's two great messages that's in the Bible, his creation, his redemption. And so in that is identity. Know who you are in Christ. Know who you are in creation. And I want to tell you, it will stand you good. Let's go down to the great state of Louisiana and talk to Ray. Welcome, Ray. Hello. Thank you, Alex and uh, Bert, for taking my call. Uh, my question is, I've been suffering for a long time. It's dealing with unforgiveness. Uh, the person is of a different religion than I am, and she vowed to get even with me. So when she vowed to get even with me, I began to turn to God. And I'm seeking with my whole heart. I spent hours reading the Word. I spent hours in worship. I talked to my pastor about it, and the first thing he said, well, you got to trust God when you can't trace him. And my thing is, if I've been going through this for almost 12 years, and I'm wondering, did I do something wrong, or am I not doing enough? What what it could be going on that I'm not getting answers to prayer? I even pray and say, God, I forgive her for her thoughts toward me. Okay, Ray, thank you for your call. Let me just share with you, and, and I'm going to make another general statement, Alex, and you can fill in the blanks. There seems to be, most of the time, suffering is in seasons. They come, they let go, they come back. I have observed in the Bible, observed in the life that I've lived as a minister of the Lord Jesus, pastoring for all these years, it seems as if there's some people whose ministry is just connected with suffering. That out of that suffering, uh, it, it, it not a lot of relief. And I don't know why. But I have observed that. I see it in the Bible. Job's was for a while, but it was a long time. Twelve years is not necessarily a huge lengthy time, Ray, when you count it into eternity. But sometimes God's answer is not what we want. God's answer may be something that that uh, is different than what we want. Go ahead, Alex. Well, blessings to you, sir. And let me just say you're doing the right thing. And you, you lean in close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know what the Bible says? And Bert, this, this might be a, pro, a promise that's hard to accept. He, it says, He will not put more on us than we can bear, but His grace is sufficient. And brother, all I can say is keep on doing the right things. How long is that season of suffering? I, I don't know. But the best thing you can do is to trust Christ, trust Christ more. Because here, here's the thing, Bert. We know God means us no harm. God has not harm or malice for us, but good. That's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And then we know God never makes a mistake. We know God has all the power. So if I know God is good, God is powerful, God has my best interest at heart, yet I'm still in the crucible of suffering, then we've got to trust that God has some good purpose he's working out. And ultimately, uh, as we've often said, our question marks become exclamation points. Okay. And 
Bert, I, I will say this, and I know we got to move on, but I've talked to literally hundreds of Christians who've shared testimonies of very, very hard things, even unfair things, painful things, and yet eventually the day comes when we see why we went through that. Yeah. And very often we can truly bless God for it because we're better for having endured that thing. Sometimes we may not know until we get to heaven. Then we'll know. But let me just share this with you, uh, Ray. Read the book of Jeremiah. That guy suffered long, 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 long time. Uh, I mean, put in the pit again and again. Uh, his good work that he had done was destroyed, and he had to do it again. Uh, Jeremiah is not usually one of those books we read for comfort, but when you for see, joy. yeah, for joy. But when we see the the, the difficulties he went through. Alex, it was years upon years, you know, yeah, and uh, yeah. he stayed faithful. And that's exactly. Let's let's pray for Ray. Was, is that yes. all right? Would you lead us, Alex? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love and comfort. And Lord, you are the God who doeth all things well. Lord, I pray for Ray. I lift up this brother. And Lord, it, he said the person that he's having a struggle with is is of a different religion. I, I don't know. He didn't elaborate on that, but I pray that this person would get saved and come to you. And Lord, help this brother. He's he's leaning on you. And Lord, I I know where the New Testament says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Help this brother to trust you more and more. Even if things get harder and harder, let his faith be stronger and stronger. And let that be for all of us. Because, Lord, I know you never leave or forsake us. You do not abandon us. Lord, you do have a good plan for each and every life. So bless this brother and help him worship as he waits. Even as he waits on you, let his joy be real and his faith be strong. And we lift him up to you and no doubt many others in a similar situation bearing their cross. May we show the watching world that we are trusting in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It just hit me while you were praying, Alex. People watch you more when you're suffering than it is when you've got it easy. And Bert, so, can, go ahead. I, I got to mention, if ever there's a, an inspiration, it's Johnny Erickson Tata. And it's been our joy to yep. have her speak sometimes in conferences. And she's been paralyzed from the neck down for decades. And she's traveled the world praising the name of Jesus proclaiming the gospel, she and her husband, Ken. And, I mean, there are many we could name, but when I think of somebody who has turned their suffering into a, a crown of testimony for the Savior, I think of Johnny. Don't Amen. you, Bert? I do as well. And if you don't know who that is, Johnny and friends, find out you will be blessed by by her. And, and thank God that, Alex, uh, we've had the privilege of hearing her, meeting her, and what a what a testimony. Let's go to Texas. Josiah, welcome. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Bert and Alex. Yes, thank I'm you. I'm calling because uh, I have a question about the uh, parable of the talents. Uh, Jesus touches on uh, uh, you know three obvious examples, two of whom are given much and they return much more, one of whom uh, is given little and doesn't return anything except for the one talent that he has. But I have a question about sort of a uh, half-baked servant. And let's say, let's give some concrete examples to these three talents. One of them is a musician, and he does offer up all of his own compositions to the Lord. However, the other two would say be uh, man, uh, mechanically inclined, and the servant's compassion does move him to help a, a neighbor or a stranger, uh, not for his own recognition, but also fails to bring glory to God in the process. And the third talent would be uh, athleticism, and the servant only uses that necessarily to buy recreational equipment for himself. How would that servant be evaluated at uh, the, the table? Okay. Thank you, Josiah. Just just to make clear, and it's not like you don't know this, Josiah, we have those that may not know that the talents that they're referring to in the Bible is finances. It's money. It's not abilities in that case, but what you're saying is well put, that what God has given us, whether it be finances or abilities, Alex, we are to develop that, aren't we? Well, we really are, and, and I, I want to say I love the way you frame the question. I know the, um, the Matthew 24, it's about sums of money, but a talent is a thing of value, 
And uh, I, I do think, you know, our time, our abilities, our finances, and our influence, these are all things that belong to the Lord, and we're stewards of them. That's why, and, and folks, please listen carefully. Um, if you can sing, you ought to be in the choir. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if, you know, if you're good. I mean, if you've got administrative ability, maybe you serve on a committee. Um, it, it, he mentioned a mechanic or an athlete or a musician. Bert, I really do think that it is a transformative thing in your life if you view all of your life in terms of stewardship. And many times I've quoted one of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, where the Apostle Paul says, we are not our own. And uh, Bert, isn't it a joy? Look, we might not be Billy Graham or Charles Stanley or David Jeremiah, because Billy Graham is Billy Graham and David Jeremiah is David Jeremiah. But Bert, isn't it an exciting thing that we we realize who we are and we we love the Savior and the rest of my life, everything post-salvation, I want my whole life to be this decades-long thank-you note back to Jesus. Amen. I've heard and it. Now, it. It is. Is that yes. being a good steward? It though? is. Uh, have you ever heard, use it or lose it? Uh, yeah, for real. Uh, and, and you're to use it. If God's given it to you, it is to be used for his glory and yours and others' good. That's how to do it. And let me just share this. You you made mention of it. Listen, we try to do everything. We think vertically. In other words, uh, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, spend my time with God. That's good. Then I go to work. Uh, then, then, you know, I come home and do the chores. Then I uh, lay down at night. We, we don't live our lives vertically. We live it horizontally. Let me just share with you. God is over every one of those things. When you're reading the Bible, it's just as important to have God in your life when you're at work as when you're reading the Bible. It's just as important to have Jesus as Lord of your life when you're spending time with your family as it is when you're preparing for that Bible study. We need God in our lives in every area of our life. There's no let up. There's not a time when we say, okay, God, I got this on my own. No, I desperately need the Lord. And so what we have and God has given us, we need to use it for his glory. And I want to tell you, he will multiply it, and he is the one that will multiply it in people's lives and your life as well. Well, Alex, we're going to take more phone calls right after this break, and we've got a whole list of people that have called in with their Bible questions. I'm ready to answer them as best we can as we give God the glory for this time with him. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. God made his design for marriage and family absolutely clear. Unfortunately, Satan has a totally opposite view. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023 wants to restore God's plan. July 6th through the 8th at the Cadence Bank Arena and Conference Center in Tupelo, Mississippi, strengthen your marriage and your family with Abraham Hamilton III. Having been made members of his eternal family, we now have a responsibility to consider how to stir one another up. George Barna. You cannot say there's a one-size-fits-all approach in ministry. If you've got a church of a thousand people, you have a thousand different stories, hurts, fears, doubts. Dr. Lee Brand. People gather together in buildings with steeples on top and crosses out front and never mention the name of Jesus, and that's sad. And many more. The Youth Apologetics track is back as well. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023, for His glory alone. 
Register today at marriagefamilylife.net. What would it take for you to compromise your principles? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Recently, I heard a statement that went like this. I don't think principles matter if you can't get elected. Principles form the core of who you are. Principles form the foundation of a civil society. George Washington, in his farewell address, identified religion and morality as indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, George Washington said. It makes me think of a scripture. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? What would it profit a candidate to gain an election but lose his principles? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. And it's Fireway Friday. We've got seven callers. We're going to try to get to every one of you today. But let me remind you the listener stories we want for Sherathon. If you've got a testimony about AFR or Exploring the Word or another program that has blessed you, we would love to hear that one-minute or two-minute testimony. And you can do this. This is the number, not for questions, but for your testimony, 877-876-8893. And you say, well, I don't think I'll do it. How about writing the number down or putting it in your phone and have it there and pray about God? What would you have me to do? Here's the number again, 877-876-8893, 877-876-8893. We would love to hear that testimony during Sherathon. Well, Alex, I know we got people that's online. You ready to go? Going up to Michigan, Dennis in Michigan. Welcome to Exploring the Word, my friend. We lost him. Did we lose him? Yeah, we lost well, him. Well, I'm sorry. To, well, Dennis, try to call back if you can. But we're going to go to Arkansas, Maryland. Maryland and Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. My question is, um, you remember Haman, or Haman, the Agagite in Esther 3.1 and other places in Esther who hated um Mordecai so badly that he then began to hate all the Jews. Um, was he a descendant of Agag, uh, Agag king of the Amalekites, that um, King yes. Saul was supposed to kill? Yeah, uh, for, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, you know, this is back in First Samuel 15, and as far as scholars know that Haman was very likely from Agag, at, who was an Amalekite, wasn't he, Bert? As far as I know, that's the best that we can follow, and you can follow that. You can't necessarily trace it from generation to generation as you can some, but it, it sure—let uh, me share. I think that branch is right, Alex. I think that's the tree, the family tree. And, and you know, let me just say this, that Saul didn't kill all the Amalekites, and, you know, uh, Haman was related to uh, Xerxes, and maybe, you know, the fact that Mordecai wouldn't bow down, King Ahasuerus, a.k.a. Xerxes, maybe he took it personally. But here's the thing, I think about, uh, you know, th- there were many times that in the modern world that um, the entire land of Israel could have been taken uh, for Israel. And Bert, um, back in 1948 and 1967, my goodness, after the Six-Day War, uh, but they said, no, you know, maybe it was political politeness. Let's let the Muslims have control of the Temple Mount. And, you know, let me just say, it sounds hard when God says, thoroughly do something. You know, purge the land of the Amalekites. Make the land of Israel for the children of Abraham solely, or repent completely. Bert, um, let me just say, partial repentance or partial obedience yields some uh, counterproductive things down the road, doesn't it? It really does. You see it in the Bible. You see it in history. We can see it in our lives. Follow Mm. the Lord all the way. Thank you, Marilyn. Rich in Texas. Welcome, Rich, and... You're on the American Family Radio Network. 
I think it's Rick. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Rick. Rick. Yes, sir, it's Rick. Yeah, yeah go ahead, are. Rick. Hey, uh, now, I just wanted to like tell you, I've been a blessing to my life. I've been listening to you since I was on Coldfield Unit about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just continue, continue the good work, man. God is, is using y'all a lot. Well, thank you. Amen. And we we give God the praise. We but do. Thank you for we listening, do. sir. Thank you, Rick, so much, brother. Bless you. Well, we're going to stay in Texas and talk with Laura. Welcome. And Laura, uh, you're a first-time caller, correct? Yes, I am. Well, uh, welcome to the party. <laughs> I've just started listening to you, and I like it. Amen. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, the Sabbath day was the first commandment that God gave. But when Moses went up into Mount Herb and come down with the Ten Commandments, it went, Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Thou shalt not have molten image. And I can't think of the next one. But when he got down to the fourth commandment, he said, Remember. Thou should yeah work thou shall not um work on the on that Sabbath day, but that's the day that God gave us not only to rest but to minister. And because I kind of well, let me go to the next thing I'm going to say about that keep that Sabbath day and keeping of it. The thirty first chapter of uh, Exodus says. Keep the Sabbath day, for it is a sign between man and God, meaning that the sign is the same thing as a mark. What got me was when I know this is right to, to keep it as a sign. He said, pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So when we get to go through, that is a sign for us to keep that day. So I just got excited, and I just can't get it out like I really want to. Okay, Laura, thank you for your call. Mm-hmm. Alex, again, uh, Sabbath day, it started even before the law when God created, and on the seventh day he rested and observed all that he had made, not because he was tired, because he He did set a precedent, a day set aside uh, for really worship. And I think Laura hit that on the head, worship and service to him. And uh, but is it a, a perpetual Sabbath? Christ is our perpetual Sabbath, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, that's in Hebrews chapter 4, that we're in a perpetual Sabbath. And, you know, Romans fourteen five talks about one man esteems a day above another. Um, you know, let me say just uh, not necessarily in reference to the caller, but just in general, um, the early church worshiped on Sunday, the first day of the week, uh, Bert, we've had the question, why do Christians say the Sabbath has changed to Sunday? We don't really say that. Uh, the Sabbath always was Saturday, but we worship on Sunday. That's Resurrection Day. And we don't have to keep the uh, Sabbath uh, as part of our salvation. It's fine to observe a Sabbath, but we're in the perpetual, eternal Sabbath rest of Jesus. Hebrews 4 says we have, quote, entered into that rest by being in the one uh, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. We just studied that in Mark, didn't we? That the, <laughs> Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So um, in a way, born-again Christians who are free from the law, are we're, we're more Sabbath keepers than Sabbatarians because we're in the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. We Thank are, you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. And he, uh, it says definitely, uh, you know, the Sabbath was made for man. The rest was made for man. We set that aside, and when we go to the first day of the week, they were celebrating the redemption, the resurrection of Christ. And when you look at the Sabbath day, it was celebrating God's creation. So uh, listen, one day a week, you need to set aside. There's some folks, and it's. I'll just say this. I don't see that it's worth arguing over, Alex. You know, worship yes. the Lord. Come together as a group and worship the Lord. Let him be Lord of all. Lavon, uh, am I pronouncing your name correctly, Lavon? Yes, sir. I lost my signal for a minute. I'm. A, I thank you for taking my call. I'm a first time caller. I've been listening to AFR for about fifteen years, and I've never called in. But when I was reading Job, I had a question about the fact that on Job nine it mentions Rahab, and I don't know if that means the Rahab before 
I know that Job was supposed to be one of the first Bible uh, uh, books, books written. that we have written, right? But Joshua mentions Rahab, but in Job nine it mentions Rahab, and I don't know if that's the same Rahab that Joshua was, uh, uh, you know, that that let the spies down, or if that's a different Rahab. Okay. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. What Alex. verse is that, Bert? Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm looking and I'm scouring over it, trying to find Rahab in Job chapter nine. I haven't found it yet. Do you, uh, Levant Vaughn? Do you know which one it is? Which verse? Which verse? No, yeah. I don't. I'm driving, but I just thought I'd call because I've been wondering about that. Now, um, um, some I'm of the only sure names I, I really see. Forgive me. Um, in uh, 9, it mentions some of the um, constellations, really, like Orion and Ple- Pleiades or Pleiades. Uh, there are some of the you know constellations of stars. But Bert, I ju- and I will study this. Let me say, yeah. but ma'am, I, I just don't see the word Rahab in Job. And I'm trying to find uh, another one of those in a verse, chapters around it, and I do not see that. Uh, but Job is considered the oldest book written. Now, it's not covering the earliest time, but the oldest book written. And uh, that that seems to be true for every. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, um, Rahab is mentioned in Matthew 1-5 in the genealogies of Jesus. But I think the basic question is, if Rahab is in Job, which I don't really think she is, uh, how would that chronology fit, Job being one of the oldest books of the Bible? And so, um, I, you know, with, with all due respect, I, I don't think Rahab is in Job, but we can we can check that out, and we'll we'll report back after we do a little research on that. Okay. But right now in Ohio, Jonas in Ohio. Jonas, are you there? Yes, I'm here, brothers. Is it raining in uh, Ohio? So, oh, my, yes. For past couple of days, <laughs> yeah, we're we're having stormy times up and down the East Coast. But uh, anyway, welcome, Jonas. Uh, thank you, all brothers. Hey, I really appreciate you all, and I'll keep this quick. So, uh, God had given me a burden recently for teenagers. So I've been teaching a Bible study on Wednesday nights to the youth. Um, I just want to get your guys' opinion and maybe help me out on how to structure those Bible studies and what I mean by that, whether to take a book by book or by a topical study. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Are you going through the New Testament, Old Testament, or are you going through it from front uh, to... I, I've been doing both, because I, I go by topics usually, so depending what it might be. So I'm, I'm going both right now. Okay, with youth, when I was a youth minister, Alex, you may have done it differently. I did I did topics, but yet I would take a book like, I would say, First John or the book of James, and then I could teach through that because it was kind of short, Hard to hold the youth all the way through the book of Romans. I'll, I'll just be frank with you. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't able to do it. I'll put it that way. But the topics really are important to do that. And just let me share with you, and I do this readily. Uh, Alex has some great helps that he's have. And if you do in those topics, he can share some of those. But Alex, uh, I, I would not try to take it, you know, like the book of Romans. But the book of James, it's so practical. Man, yeah. that's awesome for uh, for young people, isn't it? Well, it is. We did some of the shorter books like Philippians. We did Colossians. I mean, you can do a pretty good study on Jesus and the deity of Jesus like in Colossians. But we did a lot of topical things with the youth. And Bert, you're so gracious to mention some of the things that the Lord's allowed me to write, like the book Stand, Core Truth for an Unshakable Faith. Uh, Let me also mention, I wrote a book called The Ten Most Common Objections to Christianity, and how to answer them. And there's a 12-week small group study guide in the back, and the book is written at a seventh grade reading level. And so let me uh, commend you for what you're doing, and just please keep on doing it, because these youth, my goodness, more than ever, we need to equip the young people to stand strong for God and truth. Alex, thank you. Bless you. you. Alex, before we go to the next caller, I found it, or they did, Robert and and Brent, they all found it. It's in Job chapter twenty-six, verse twelve. But it, okay. it, it's not a count. It's not a proper name. It's the name for the storm. Uh, in other words, it's not a uh, it's not a person's name. He stirs up the sea with his power. 
and by his understanding, he breaks up the storm. With another word for that is the Rahab, and so it's not okay. a proper name. Oh, so it's like um, the the name Rahab. Is that what it means? Yes, storm. The storm. Okay. Well, that that clarifies that. Praise God. Yeah, that's wonderful. Hey, that, Tim, it's good to have a staff around helping you. Isn't we got it? a team, don't we? <laughs> we do. Go ahead, Tim. Tim in Wisconsin. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. Hello, guys. Good to have you I'm today. To speak with you. Yes. Hey, I'm one of those dairy farmers you were talking about a couple weeks ago. Um, thank you for uh, recognizing us. Oh, listen, farmers. Uh, Alex and I both love farmers. We we grew up on the farm. So you guys are close to us, but go ahead, Tim. Thank you. Well, my question is, um, there's a lot of prophecy that's coming true right now. And if you had to list the top three that you really feel show that, that Jesus is coming back, what would they be? Matter of fact, I want to tell you something. Robert, who is our phone guy, asked me some of those things yesterday, and I gave him three. One is lawlessness. And the other yes. is confusion. Those mm-hmm. two, the identity confusion, the marriage confusion, Alex, that those two lawlessness really comes. When you read every one of those things about Christ coming back, guess what's going to be in the top group? Lawlessness. Amen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, the Bible says that uh, evil men will wax worse and worse. Uh, and we're living in such a time of lawlessness and, look, denial of truth. My goodness, I was just reading a medical article, medical article, and it was talking about men being pregnant and women, and I I will not use the language it used, women being men, I mean, insanity. But two big things, so lawlessness is one, but Israel, (laughs) 1948 years, Israel didn't exist. They came back into existence. But then Revelation 13, 17, Burke, says the day is coming when you can't buy or sell without the mark. Look, uh, they're trying to abolish cash, a global currency, digital currency. And what if, like in Canada, your bank account is frozen if you don't acknowledge the LGBTQ trans agenda? The day is coming when if you're not woke, uh, you can't participate. So, folks, make sure your heart is given to Jesus and you're in His hands and Living or dying, we're standing with the one and only Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for those who called. Listen, Monday we'll be in Mark chapter 4, so read ahead. But before then, make your way to church and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.